All right. Welcome to another episode of Restoring Your Voice with me, your host, Pastor David. Uh, so so glad that you could join us. Why am I saying us? Because today I have an interview for you. Uh, this is going to be dealing with the subject of trauma and how God helps us to overcome uh, trauma. You're going to hear a wonderful story today. So uh, stick around and stay tuned. going to help you use your God-given voice. I'm going to equip you for the good works of Jesus, hitting up hot biblical topics, problem areas in the body of Christ, in the charismatic, in other areas of the body of Christ, in an attempt to help bring clarification, purity, consecration, and love and patience as the Bible commands. I'm going to have special guests on that are going to equip you and edify you through their stories that give God the glory where you'll get different viewpoints in different areas because we're all one body and we all have a piece of the puzzle to share with one another. So I look forward to you watching, listening, and interacting. All right, with that, just in case you didn't get it from the intro music, what the show is all about is about equipping you for the good works of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Uh, so, hey, also, hey, if the show is a blessing to you, there are three ways that you can give down in the description. PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I do what I do for free, but it ain't free to do either. So, also, hey, click that thumbs up button. Click that subscribe button if you haven't yet. And I'm going to bring on my guest now. Welcome to the show, Angie. David, thank you for having me. That's some intro music. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. That's my type of music. I right love here, it. Love it. <laughs> I've been waiting a while to get the intro music. I was had to figure out how to get the license for it, and I was waiting for the license, you know, and all that. But hey, finally got it up and going. Awesome. And so yeah, so I'm so glad that I could get you on the show. Like, like I was telling you, um, just prior to the start of the show, that I trauma. I'm a friend of it. Uh, well, not anymore, but uh, got the T-shirt, got the expert badge and all that from uh, most people know about it who've been listening to the show from PTSD. And then so you have uh, gone through that journey and and all of that. And so but before we do that, why don't you give people uh, a bit about your background, about yourself, your ministry and all that? Yeah, thank you. So I'm Angie, and I'm married to Matt. We've been married 23 years. We have two boys. Alex is 17, almost 18, and he's about to graduate from high school. So we're entering in this new chapter, right, where we're about to sort of launch our firstborn. So, And then our baby, who's not a baby, is Josh, and he's 12 in sixth grade. We live in Southern Illinois, and I am a pastor. And then also I have an online ministry called Steady On, where the tagline for the podcast is where God's hard truth meets your hard story, because that's what we talk about. We talk a lot about walking through difficult seasons, being in a difficult situation, maybe having a difficult past, but where is the hope in that? And how can we live in God's promises and stand tall, still having and claiming the peace, the joy in abundance that he promises us. Nice. Yeah. That, that's absolutely wonderful. Very, very much needed. Um, probably not as talked about as it should be in the church at large, but very much needed. So I appreciate what you're doing. 
so where did this so you tell me um this started this is not the first dealing with trauma but the, the journey to recovery started 11 years ago with a head-on car crash yeah so I'm, I'm a preacher's kid i grew up in church i've always been in church i have always loved jesus and so i've had sort of what i would call maybe a slow sanctification and an understanding of what his healing really could do in my life but yeah 11 years ago our family of four was in a head-on car crash a man fell asleep at the wheel noon on a sunday beautiful sunday afternoon crossed the center line and basically david everything in my world changed mm. uh, i had major injuries our oldest son had major injuries. He was airlifted from the scene of the crash. Mm. I was transported to a hospital. We had concussions. We had multiple broken bones, internal injuries. He and I went through eight surgeries. And then I started down a path of nine months of uh, rehabilitation, at least the first go around. That was kind of the initial go around. And then there's been, you know, multiple like other procedures and physical therapy and all that kind of stuff in the years since. But what really happened to me after the crash is I, everything that I had been trying to achieve, uh, control, <laughs> some of those words, right, just kind of came, mm. all the balls I was keeping in the air kind of came tumbling down around me. I did not take care of my home. I didn't take care of the church I was serving. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't take care of my children. And I was really broken in kind of every way a person mm. can be broken, spiritually, emotionally, physically. I had a lot of questions about where God was. I didn't doubt his sovereignty and I really didn't deal like with anger. I mean, I hear people, people react differently to these things, but right. I was very confused, very confused at where I found myself. And I really kind of cried out to him, like, I believe in you, but I don't see you, you know, help me to see you in all of this. And it was really interesting because one afternoon because both of my my older son both of his arms were broken mm. and so he couldn't take care of himself i did not take care of myself at all i had enough broken bones that i didn't move from like bed to a wheelchair to the bathroom i didn't feed myself you know like all of these things so i had a full-time caregiver my older son had a full-time caregiver the baby was seven months at the time so he mm. didn't take care of himself anyway and thankfully he was not seriously injured but still he was seven months and so um and so what would happen every once in a while is that a group of sort of our family and close friends would come together and talk about how they were going to take care of us over the next few days. They would look at their work and school schedule and all that. And I can take her to physical therapy and I can take Alex to this and I can get the groceries and I can, you know, and so and there was just like this meeting of the minds. And over time, as these meetings and conversations would happen, David, I would get more angry about them mm. because in those conversations represented everything that I no longer did for myself. And there was one evening that they were having a conversation like this. And I had asked my sister, who was a part of those meetings, to bring me my iPod and my earbuds because I just, quite honestly, like they had propped me up. I couldn't move. I couldn't leave the room because that's just where I was. And I didn't have the physical ability to, to move myself. And I asked for my music and I just tried to shut the whole thing out. You know, I just tried to shut the whole thing out. And as I was listening to music, the song uh, Born Again by Third Day, I don't know if you're uh, a Third Day fan at all, but the song oh, yeah, Born Again, song. yeah, yeah, Mac Powell was singing through my earbuds and the lyrics of the song just talked about how today I found myself after looking all these years and the, the person that I found wasn't at all who I thought I would be. 
And then the chorus talks about feels like I'm born again, feels like I'm living for the very first time, for the Mm. very first time in my life. And I just felt this deep invitation from the Lord. I felt like he was saying, you know, you look here at this meeting, at your life, at everything, and you see what's broken. You see ashes, but I see potential. I see beauty. I see hope. Will you open your heart to this journey? And that's the moment where everything did not get fixed, (laughs) but something in my heart shifted. And Mm. I approached what was happening to me with a very different attitude from then on. Okay. So I suppose, what what do you think were were the major differences? You don't have to obviously answer everyone if you don't want to, but um, that prior to this um, accident and trauma that resulted in, and then afterwards, like, you know, the things that you thought were, were the real deal. And then what you found out to be the real deal, obviously uh, dealing with God. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think I, because of, and we can talk about this, whatever length you want to, I had abuse in my past. When I was 16, I was groomed and seduced into a romantic relationship with a Mm. teacher at my high school. Uh, Following that, it was a relationship that lasted about nine months. And then when it became public in the small rural town where I lived, where I went to high school, uh, he was a beloved teacher there. And when it became public, uh, the police were involved in the Department of Children and Family Services. That community that I believe now was also groomed in, Mm. in, in, in believing he was something that he wasn't because he had a long history of doing this to girls that he taught. Uh, decided to reject what I presented as truth and the story that I was telling and instead believe the story that he told. And it became very publicly humiliating. Mm. The, the, the school and the people of the town were very much on his side. They would write letters. I was called names. Uh, there were public meetings of support where people would read letters and, and clap and cheer and, and those kind of things. And I felt very, it was a social death from which I almost did not recover. When, mm. I, when I left there and went to college, I had almost no connection I did not have strong family connection. I didn't have a faith community. I I gave thought to hurting myself. I behaved, I participated in some destructive behavior choices. But then after a couple of years of that, I think largely because I had a foundation of faith, I began, I, I did this kind of 180 almost, not immediately, but kind of over time. And instead I began trying to prove myself good. Does that make sense? Yep. And I really, I tried to achieve good. I tried to do good for the Lord. I tried to, I think now, I didn't know this then and I didn't mean to do it, but I think I was trying to to earn his love again, Mm -hmm. God's, right? And and when the accident happened, I, I was a pastor. I loved him. I was doing good things for him. And everything that I was doing was not in vain by any means. Like my heart meant to serve him. You know, my heart meant to please him. But I did not understand the grace and the love that he had for me, not he had for me when I was doing good things, but that he had for that 16-year-old girl who felt like she was unlovable, right? Right. And after the accident, in that place of brokenness, the Lord really began to invite me to look at her, if you will. Like, if I can speak of myself in the third person, look at her and what she had been through and to invite that experience into our relationship, mine mm. and the Lord's. 
No, that makes, that makes perfect sense, you know. Because uh, when I went through mine, when I was dealing, or actually probably not dealing with it, more like coping mm-hmm. with my trauma, that's all I, that's, that's, that, that, that is it until, until the Lord impressed upon me at the end of 2018, hey, I got more for your life. Yes. This isn't it. And once I said, you know what, Lord, you're right. I'm, I'm done listening to what the world says. I'm turning them off. I'm going to listen to you. Um, you know, that was it. That, that, that was the, 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 the life changing moment. So I, I completely understand uh, what you're saying where you guys, you're like over here and you were like this. And as soon as you answered the Lord, well, obviously we all know sanctification is a process. Yes. But you became a completely different person. Um, and there's so much we could unpack into everything that you said. Just guys, maybe, maybe I guess a good place to start would be maybe somebody needs to hear today. Does the Lord love them despite mm-hmm. whatever happened to them? Yeah. You know, I think the Lord loves them because of what happened to them. You know, it's not, and I, it, it's, it's semantics, but it's also really important. Like I, both in the things that were done to us, to me and to us, and the things that we do in response to that can make us feel like we're not worthy, can make us feel like we're not lovable. And it those things may block some of the blessings that he has for us. Those things may block our ability to claim the abundance that he has for us, but they do not change the promises of Joshua 1.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? Jeremiah mm-hmm. 31.3, I love you with an everlasting love. Like those, uh, Luke 15, where the Father says, everything that I have is yours. John 15, that says, my joy in you, I want my joy to be complete, right? Like those are our promises regardless. It doesn't matter. And so, yeah, for the one who's listening, and I speak to myself still too, because I have moments and days that are much harder than others. So I, you know, I, 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 yes, my heart is so much different and more tender to the Lord than it used to be. But mm. I, I, I experience times where I will behave or respond in ways that feel very much like I don't have victory, right? Because right, it, right, uh, right. it's a choice. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I just would encourage anyone to, um, to really, I guess, consider taking the risk to believe about yourself what god says is true about you absolutely i mean the bible does say right for god so loved the world he didn't yes. and then it says while we were yet sinners christ died for us mm-hmm. right so while we we're in the worst possible state and we could possibly be in right yeah um because you know often separates us from god so it doesn't matter we were living in that state yeah right and yet he still took a chance on us. Yeah. He still took a chance on us then. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you that, you know, people, I would encourage people as well, you know, what God says about you, regardless of God, it's not situational. His love isn't situational best. Uh, situational, yeah, at, at best. It's, right. it's, 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 it's the same from day to day to day. We can't earn it. We can't make him love us anymore, and we can't make him love us any less because he loves us more than we can possibly imagine. Um, so you, I, uh, I also love how you highlight harder days. I, I think sometimes people, um, think this Christian lifestyle, this Christian walk is, man, it's a one and done deal, you know, and then they feel so crushed when, when they step out of line. I, the best way I could put it, um, you know, um, I don't know what you got through. I, 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 I suffer from tra- uh, traumatic brain injury symptoms every single day. They don't go away. 
Right. You know, and and that that produces some not nice feelings in myself. Um, so what, what about you? Maybe maybe give some example like harder days. I mean, obviously you can go into as much or as little detail as, as you like, but you know, I, I, I guess I would like the audience to realize that hey, you know what, we all have harder days. Yeah. Um, I, I notice, uh, you know, when I'm having a hard day, I notice that my patience with my children, especially, is shorter. That's one of the things that that is hard. That's that's one of the things that I tend to regret, right? Because hmm. my words are too sharp. My patience is too thin uh, in, in my relationships and my primary relationships because they, they're the safest. So my boy's my husband, right? And my kids kind of laugh and they say, you know, mom has trauma brain. Uh, hmm. And it's funny because I w- I've been really open with my kids over the last 10 years or so because they've grown, grown up as I've gone through this process, if you will. Right. And I've been open with them about what happened to me and what it does as much as I understand, because quite honestly, when you don't deal with something for two plus decades, it takes a while to understand how it affects you and what you do. And so, yeah, I think, you know, for me, short patience and sharp words that come too quickly are the things that are kind of the most damaging. I also tend to, uh, because I'm very like production works oriented. I feel like I have value when I'm productive. I can tend to overschedule and overcommit when I, you know, when some people uh, feel like anxiety rising, they want to shop or they want to eat, you know, I want to put something on my calendar because it's like, gives me this little like semblance of control, if you will, you know? And so I think we all have to watch for those tendencies in us. What is sort of the destructive thing we do? And while like overscheduling isn't as like, uh, hard on our bodies is over drinking, let's say, you know, something like that. It can be as equally sort of like self, I can have a lot of self-loathing because I do that. You know, I've repeated a behavior or a process, a uh, habit that I want very much to be free from. Hmm. I guess so you could say that, uh, I like the scriptures, right? Uh, God is perfecting us, right? Yeah. Um, he's perfecting us, it says, because you have this weird, I call. I mean, I know it's not weird to me, but some people might look at, at the scripture. I can't remember off the top of my head where it's at, but it says something to the like of, uh, you know, it basically got God perfected us, and He's perfecting us. Yes. It says in it, it right. one scripture, and you look at it, and you're like, "Which one is it? I don't get right. it." Right. Yes. And, and you're like, "Yeah, exactly, exactly." Mm-hmm. It's it's both. It's like no, because He did the work. Yeah. For us, so we didn't have to work to gain anything from yeah. Him. Yeah. But at the same time, we're still human. Yeah. And needing um, his his work, right? The Bible says that he who he who began a good work in us is yes. faithful and just to complete it till till the day of redemption. And I, and I love I love um, how that. So so how how did um, how did this open the door? I guess this this head on collision, this journey that you went on. How did it lead to you dealing with that underlying child abuse uh, situation that was never dealt with before? It didn't happen quickly. I mean, really what began to happen is I feel, I feel like the Lord asked me to sort of do like um, a, a spiritual MRI. There are so many like, re- there's so many connections between what I'd been through. You know, you know, I think about like right after the accident, wrapped to a board 
and put through these machines, right? Because they mm-hmm. wanted, they were looking at every part of me, head to toe, inside, outside. Some of the injuries were obvious because they could see my body, but some of them weren't so obvious because they had to go deeper. And there's a Psalm uh, 139.23 that says, search me and know me. And I think about that searching is kind of like that spiritual MRI. And so I feel mm-hmm. like I began this, this slow, because God is so kind that he unfolds healing at the pace he knows we can handle, right? Because right. some days it felt like way too much, David, like where I just, I'm like, I went through a period of time where there would be mornings when I was doing my prayer and my study uh, that I would just, I would be crying in my floor, you know, just kind of like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't look at this. And, 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 but it wasn't like that every day because he would take me there when he was like, yes, you can. And he never left me sort of in those moments, if you will. But we just kind of began this spiritual MRI, this heart MRI, if you will, to kind of and look at the places. There was so much of my heart that was alive and thriving, but there were places of my heart that were very dark and like spider webby, you know? Um, right. And, uh, and that's not what he wants for his children. He wants us to have a life that is full and a life that is complete. And so, you know, when we, when I would stumble upon something, I guess, stumble, that's not, it wasn't accidental, but for me, I wasn't, I I had, I had often a light on the next step to take, but if I tried to get very far ahead, I would just get frustrated, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I would be studying, I spent a lot of time in the word. And so I guess that's sort of the practical answer of how we did this. I, I've always spent a lot of time in the word, but I got in the word in a very different sort of almost desperate kind of way, you mm-hmm. know, show me yourself through these stories, through these letters, through this poetry. And um, when I would stumble on something that would just make my heart feel like it was really just tapping on one of those tender places, I'd write about it. I'd pray mm. about it. I would um, find a song. You know, I love contemporary Christian music, and often I would find a song. And sometimes I'd listen to that song over and over for several days in a row until I felt like the Lord really unfolded a truth that I needed to know. And um, and that's what we did. We just did that, and we still do that. <laughs> right. Like physical therapy, right? It was yeah. very much <laughs> All right. like that. It's like, yes. I want to be done. Yes. I want to be, you know, I want to, I want to mm-hmm. be over there. I want to be yes. dismissed, but they're like, no, mm-hmm. you have to do this right. today. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and then when you go home, you still have to, yes. you, you still have to do some stuff at home and then yes. you come back the next physical therapy session yeah. and so on. It's progressive and it yeah. seems like it'll never, ever. Yeah. yeah. I still know if I like, don't spend time with him, give me a week or two and I'll be right back where I was. Cause this, it's not something that I, I need a lot of reminding uh, to to see myself the way he sees me. Mm. Yeah, I get that because I I feel like if I skip a morning, <laughs> you know, and I you know if I skip it, if I, I I'm I'm not even a very good person during the daytime. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. if I just skip that that, yeah. that morning and mm-hmm. yes yes everybody out there listening, you know, two pastors here is talking about like sometimes we do actually you know skip it. Yeah, it's, nope. yeah, it happens. Yes. Yeah. It happens. Um, now I wonder, though. I know you know if you don't feel comfortable or you don't really know how to a- answer this one, you know, just let me know. But what about talking about this in the church? Like when I say obviously the church, I mean the the body of Christ as a whole. Because I, I don't think this is talked about enough. You, you'll hear stuff from marriages to how to raise your children, um, but how often do you ever hear something like, "Oh, dealing with trauma," talked mm-hmm. about in the church? 
Yeah, I think it's not talked about a lot in the church. Um, I think partly because the answers, well, I don't know. I think this is what I think. I'm going to try it and see. I think the answers are messy, and I think it's really hard to, it, it's a tough sell when we know it's a long process. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. It's a, yeah. So I think about the refiner's fire, you know, in Malachi 3, I'm sure you're familiar with that illustration where a refiner, in order to purify the metal, puts this impure metal, right, in this cauldron of sorts and builds a fire underneath it. When the metal melts, the impurities raise to the top and the refiner can scrape those impurities off the top. And then he or she allows that metal to cool again. And then it cools and solidifies. And then the process is repeated and it melts down and the impurities come. The more we will allow ourselves to be melted down and those impurities scraped off the top, the more valuable a metal for the kingdom, if you will, we will become. But I think a lot of times in the culture that we live in, that those answers just aren't fast enough for mm. us. And so I think, you know, in 15 minute sermons or sound bites or some of the things that we try to do right now, we don't have a sticky statement for how to how to walk a, a journey of healing a lot of times. Hmm. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're, we're here in, a, in America where we have everything. We want it fast. Yeah. We want it now. We want it easy. I mean, we could pick up our phone and pretty much order anything we want. I mean, my goodness, I can, I can have stuff delivered from a convenience store. That's only a couple, you know, yeah. miles down the road now. And we, we, yeah. I, yeah, we don't have that, that, it's a process. Mm -hmm. Not only is life messy, but Christianity is messy. Mm -hmm. And and it and it's it's a difficult journey in a lot of ways, but it's also very gentle and very kind and very loving and very sweet. And so when I say that it's long, and and it has been painful, it's also been just the the closest, sweetest, most loving invitational process that I that I've ever been a part of. You know, so mm -hmm. it's not it's not long in a way that needs to be discouraging because I see so much growth all the way through it, but it is a long process and it's not a process that ends. So right. yeah. Yeah. Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about some of the fruits that this is born, you know, and we, we talked about, oh, it's a long process. We've talked about mm -hmm. the trauma mm -hmm. and, and, and other great stuff, but what about the fruits that this is born? You know? Yeah. I, yeah we know, we all mess up every day. That's fine. Yeah. You know, welcome yeah. to the human race. But what, what fruits has this journey born in your life? I would say the greatest is my connection and relationships. Because I because of my background, I really struggled to trust. I didn't trust God's love. Obviously, we've talked about that. I didn't trust myself to make good decisions. I didn't really trust even the people that I believed loved me. But I, the enemy... Uh, knows the tender spots in our hearts and, you know, the lie that he would whisper in one in a variety of different forms always was don't forget you'll never belong anywhere like that. And that, and so when I would experience any kind of like small rejection, if you would, I would just sort of pull back. And one of the things over the last years, as God's been doing this process, that's been probably part of the scariest work that I've done, mm -hmm. but also the most amazingly beneficial work that I've done is in my marriage, in my parenting, and in my close friendships. God has invited me to lean into those and trust those men and women and trust their love for Him and their love for me and to become a lot more honest about who I am 
and what I feel and even what I need, which is like the scariest of all, you know, to be able to say, actually, there are days mm. when I, I need this from you and um, to be able to ask for that. And so the closeness that I experience in relationships has been one of the greatest fruits of this journey for me. Honesty. I like that. Honesty. I think a lot of people are afraid of honesty, mm-hmm. you know, um, but what about that one? How, how has this honesty helped um, you being honest with other people? How has it helped them? And maybe has it helped you as well? It has helped me a lot. Uh, one thing it has helped me is understand that people want to understand me better and not everyone. I mean, we don't have like, you know, bazillions of close relationships, but in the relationships of people, I have a couple of close girlfriends that have been, you know, my best friends for over 20 years. And I still really, a lot of times David held them a little bit at arm's length, you know, just let, don't let them. And as I thought about this, I thought, what do these women need to do to prove that they're in your camp, right? Like to prove that they're, you know, they've been through all kinds of things with you and yet you still are waiting for the day they leave you. What if you approach this relationship uh, assuming they're not going to leave you? And they might someday, right? People are imperfect and seasons change and all that. But what about, what if you just enjoyed these relationships today, uh, counting on, assuming the fact that they loved you and they were for you? And, um, And so there's an honesty sometimes in those relationships where if something happens and I feel that anxiety rise or that guard go up, you know, that self-protection thing that we do sometimes where I'm able to say, you know what, time out right here because I'm feeling something and I need to say it because they know me. They know what I've been through. They celebrate my, um, my growth, if you will. And it's okay to say that, you know, or to say to my husband, I, I know you don't mean this, but right now I'm feeling very small and overlooked, you know, something like that. When I can say those things for me, that takes a lot of courage because it, it's this risk of they could laugh at me. They could say, well, you're just too needy or, you know, all these kinds of things. And so being able to say things like that out loud in my relationships um, has just been hugely helpful in furthering and deepening them. And how, how has this helped other people? Um, um, as in like people who, you know, going through something or, or they even have, they haven't even dealt with it yet, you know, whatever, wherever in the spectrum that they fall into. Yeah. I think my primary goal, I have two, I guess my, my, my primary goals in sharing my story and talking about some of the things that I've been through. One is to dispel, is that the right word? The myth that you're alone. Mm-hmm. You are not alone. I felt alone so much of my life in this. I didn't think anything like this had ever happened to anybody else. And my experiences were completely unique. And while all our our experiences are unique to a certain degree, the enemy uses isolation to tempt us to choose things other than trusting God. And it's it's just a motivation of mine. You are not alone in your pain. You're not alone in your journey. You're not alone at all, ever. Um, And if you if you feel like you are, you God is always with you, but you can look to this story and say, um, this woman has hurt real bad too, right? Yeah. And so right. that's part of it. But then also just really to, for those of us who are in the church and we are Jesus followers and we proclaim to be people who believe in Jesus, um, can I invite you to examine, if you will, how 
are how well are you living by his promises? How well does your life express with the things that hurt you or the things that have happened to you that, yes, I am going to lean into these promises, cling to them tightly and believe them. Mm. Whenever I tell my story, it's always like encouraging and like um, discouraging, I guess, to me. Almost always someone will talk to me, email me later or something like that and say, the story will start. I've never said this to anyone before, or I've never told this story before. And um, I hate that. I hate that people carry that for so long, um, sometimes much longer than I have. Right. I've talked to women in their 70s who have talked to me about a rape or something like that, that they've never told anyone. Um, and I hate that for them. But then I also celebrate the fact that um, that, that breaks a chain, right? Like a chain right. falls to the floor when we can say it out loud and realize um, I'm not alone. Wow. wow. That, 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 that is really good. Uh, just, you know, like I, said, I love help. I love seeing people uh, helped. Um, I, whatever that is, you know, like, you know, you were highlighting, hey, you said women in their seventies never talked about it. Yeah. And you're what you, what you're doing has uh, helped them to uh, open up for the first time um, ever. Yeah. And that, that's powerful. Yes. That is, that is really powerful. Yeah. It's humbling to me, but yes. Yeah, so I think it's so important. So I'm, so I'm happy to share uh, my story. If, if it does that for, for anyone, you know, just to right. realize that there's life beyond this and not just life like surviving, but life like really deep, meaningful, abundant kingdom work filled life. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I believe this, this, this helps because I think people, have this version that like, I know we said already, but uh, you know, where, where the Christian life is this clean, tidy life. But what about you know, when, when, when mess enters in, right. you know, and I think people often gloss over those scriptures uh, that talk that, that are messy yeah. that, that, you know, here we go, you know, you know, right after Pentecost, you know, Stephen gets stoned to death, for instance, that's very, very messy. Yes. Um, Paul talks about the many times he was scourged and pr imprisoned and, and all of that. And, you know, it's not like he went out and did some criminal activity. And I, and I, and that's why I, I think this is people need to get a correct view of God. Like, you know, through this, God loves you. Yeah. Like God is not hating on you. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, a curse on your life, you know, something like that. Um, that because I, I, how often do you see people have this wrong view of God where the mess happens, right? And I guarantee, I don't care who's listening. I don't care if, you know, if it hasn't happened to you yet, it's going to happen guaranteed. Uh, but, but they get this crushed. They get this crushed. And like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know what to do with my faith in God. Now it's been shaken. Yeah. I, I think that the Psalms can help us so much with that, David. I don't know about you, but I think the Psalms are so honest. You were asking earlier about honesty, and I appreciate the honesty in the Psalms because it's kind of a roller coaster of emotions often, isn't it? It's like, right. I praise you. I'm struggling. I praise you. I'm thankful. And and I think that's where we can find ourselves, you know? And I think if we're if you're going through a season where you really are questioning God, one, question him. It's okay. Doubts are okay. Questions are okay. God wants to answer those. We can't get answers to those questions, I think, if we don't say them out loud. But I would really encourage the listener that doesn't know where to start, that wants to hang on to their faith, but is maybe struggling to do so, 
to to commit to reading through the Psalms. You know, most of mm-hmm. them are fairly short. And if you, even if that's all you do in the morning, even if that's your routine, get your cup of coffee and read through a Psalm, you know, um, I think you will find a lot of encouragement and support from the honesty in there. And the way that the psalmists over and over again say, this is hard. My enemies are against me. Uh, sometimes David, I think it's one of Psalms of David is like, my bed is wet with my tears, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm in a deep, dark place and you are good. And I will praise you for your word, for your sovereignty. You are my shelter. You are my high place, right? You are my stronghold. Um, And both of those things can be true at the same time. Mark 9, it's the story, Mark 9, that I love so much where the father says, Mm -hmm. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Like these things can share space. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I've got a uh, trait back there, I don't know if our viewers are going to see. I'm pointing, and of course, if they're listening by audio, audio podcast, but it's I have a Job commentary, okay, by Dr. Michael Brown, and it's called uh, uh, yeah, it's a Job commentary, Job, the faith to challenge God, mm. you know. And I, I can't think of any person in the Bible besides Jesus who went through so much as Job went through, you know, and, and for the longest time, you know, throughout when you read the story of, of Job, you know, his so called friends, quote unquote. You know, air quotes uh, yeah. come along, and they're like, "Oh no, you got it yeah. all wrong, Job." Yeah, you know, I don't remember what verse it is, but there's a verse in Job that I love so much that talks about how I had heard of you before, but now I have seen you. I don't know if you know what ver- verse that is, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's part of this experience for me, and can be for all of us, right? Like, I know you, I've been walking with you, I believe you. But now I see you in a different way. I understand you. It's personal to me in a different way. And I think we'll find that our life will be an illustration of that verse if we allow it to be at different times. We'll have different spiritual markers in our life where we're like, oh, I had heard of you. I had heard of this about you. But now I have seen it for myself. Hmm. Nice. I love that. I love that. All right. So as we wrap up, do you have any closing thoughts first and foremost for the audience? You know, I think I've kind of said it already, but I would just encourage you to um, to wrestle with it. If you're in a season and you're struggling, um, it's okay to struggle. Stay in the Word. Stay connected to a faith community or a faith group or a, a spiritual mentor, you know, something like that. Um, stay serving Him sometimes when we are struggling with something that keeps us pretty internally focused and that not, that may not be wrong necessarily, but it can do so much for our spiritual walk if we will also find a way to keep our hands and feet busy in service for him. So um, just hang, just just keep at it. I think that's the the only advice that I have. Keep reading, keep praying, keep studying. He is talking to you. He is at work in your situation and he wants to reveal himself to you. Um, and he will help sort of like tenderize your heart <laughs> so that you can recognize where he's, where he's active. Wonderful. Yeah. I couldn't say it better myself. And then just hi- I like, yes, stay connected. If you're not connected to a local church body, you need to get connected. You need to get connected. You need to get connected. Um, all right. So where now this is a time to, uh, promote yourself. So where can people find you at, uh, where are you at on social media and all of that? Yeah, the, you know, my website is a pretty good hub where you can find all the things. It's livesteadyon.com. I also have um, some freebies there. If, if David, if you do show notes, I can send you a link yep. where I have some freebies. So yeah, okay. So you'll put that in the show notes. And um, my podcast is Steady On. Again, the tagline is where God's hard truth meets 
are hard stories. And um, I have a lot of conversations like this, actually, with people who maybe they've been through a hard season or they talk about things that uh, are helpful in their spiritual walk. It's, it's just a lot of hope and encouragement. So I would love uh, for you to check that out, too. Awesome. Yeah, all those links will be in the show notes. Awesome. So whether whether you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Facebook, or you're listening by audio podcast, um, it'll all be in the show notes. So check them out. All right. Uh, they'll be there for you to check out. So thank you so much. It was such a pleasure coming on, the, uh, having you on the show. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight, really. Absolutely. I believe that's just going to help a lot of people out there. Uh, that's why I do this show is for the people. And I believe this is going to help a lot of people out there. So with that, we're going to end the show and I'll see you guys again next time. Thanks, David. <laughs>